Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the comedic master, Usama Siddiqui. Huh? Welcome. Why would you say that? Comedic master. How? No, no, I, I didn't. That's not, that's not me. I'm just working hard. I'm just kind of hustling. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why would you call me a comedic master? I'm, I, that's really rude, kind of, actually. Probably gets canceled within the first minute of this podcast. You can't just say that about people. seconds. Oh. Wow. I'm just kidding, viewers. I told her to say that, and I planned it, where there, she was going to say comedic master, and I was getting really offended. And then Carly didn't get the bit, and she's actually freaking out. Carly, <laughs> we, we just talked about it. This is me always. <laughs> okay, okay. Just in a state of distress, <laughs> almost suicidal. <laughs> Welcome. Oh my God, good times. Fun with friends. Good time here. <laughs> Great. Our podcast listeners are probably loving this. Um, uh, what is Carly just kind of crying, but maybe not? <laughs> died, actually. Hey, Carly died during the podcast. Both <laughs> voices are just... Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, now that we've established that Carly has died, um, <laughs> Usama, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like your background, how you got started in comedy, sure. whatever you want about you. Um, yeah, on my way to becoming a comedic master. <laughs> uh, I thought you were one already. Yeah. According <laughs> to Carly. Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> So I uh, started in Dallas where I grew up in Dallas. Mostly I was going to do med school, got into med school and then at Texas A&M. And then day before I was like, no, well, I watched this documentary called Zero Dreams of Sushi. Have y'all seen this? It's a documentary about a sushi chef and he is 85 years old. And I was like a, you know, Bengali kid, not knowing what I wanted to do comedy or, or medicine. And then he's the whole episode is about him just, or this movie is about him just like loving the process of creating sushi and how the idea, the means to an end is just the fact that getting better at something is fulfilling. And the idea of trying to reach a mountain, not for the purpose of actually reaching it, but for the attempt is, and that being the whole purpose of life, that blew my whole mind. And so after I watched that, I was like, well, there's only one choice for me to live. And that's just go to comedy in New York. And so I just kind of um, told my parents the day before that I wasn't going to be a doctor and I just bounced. And then I came here seven years ago, just kind of hustled every day and, um, just continuing that, that lifestyle of just hustling, hustling, hustling. Wow. Yeah. First, our first guest who didn't go to med school to do comedy. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? What kind of urchins are you getting, uh, on this? Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> This guy gave up a great job at Jimmy John's to go be a comedian. <laughs> How did the conversation with your parents go? Out of curiosity, I imagine. They loved it. These immigrants yeah. loved it. They're like, oh my God, are you gay too? Please. No. They <laughs> were so angry. They were so, so sad. They, my dad had the single dad tear, you know, that why can't you help people? And then my mom had, she was throwing pots, throwing pans. What are you doing? This is stupid. And I don't blame them. I, mean, I didn't do it in a, in a way that was conducive to their happiness either. I just said like day before, I was like, fuck you. I'm a fucking artist. Fuck you. And they didn't deserve that. They were beautiful parents, but they also could not understand what a comedian was. It's not part of their culture. 
um, growing up. So the idea of like what comedian, what is that? Right. And, I, you know, combined with my flipping attitude towards, you know, that Western rebel child, like, I'm going to fucking do it. Fuck you. And now looking back, it was not the way to go. I have since uh, remedied and we were, we're better than ever now, my, my parents, but in that moment, it was much, a lot of misunderstandings on both parts and lack of communication. Wow. Well, that's, that's a whole thing. <laughs> Are y'all <laughs> not dropping too much for minute five for the podcast? No, it's yeah. great. No, it's great. We're telling, we're telling your whole story here. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Uh, aside from the part with the fight with your parents, but glad you guys are back on good terms. We so. are back on track. Um, you know, I, I seem, I feel like y'all, your parents must be very, um, very supportive. Just like, yeah, Catherine, do what you want. Carly, whatever dead bodies that you're shipping from one location, <laughs> do it. It's your dream. Yeah, honestly, yeah. My parents are very just like, oh, you're going to be a comedian? Great. Sounds good. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. Maybe they just had low expectations to begin with, but <laughs> they're so beautiful. Right, right. You're not, you're not, you have all your chromosomes. That's amazing. White moms are doing that thing where like they learn about your passion that next year on the on your birthday cake is that passion or whatever. <laughs> you said you said you want to be comedian, so it's a cake shaped like a microphone. And it's like, mom, that's, yeah. that's cute. Y'all love showing love through cake designs, which I, I love about white culture. <laughs> so accurate. That is so true. And I, I just found this out and, I, and I'm so, one of my favorite, y'all, everyone's like white girls this, white women that, they don't talk about this part where y'all make cakes in the passion of your friends, which is fun. It's true. Or I, the cakes that have, that have the, Carly, did you ever do this where they have the ones that like a picture? Yes. Oh God, that's yes. always weird. Those are, those are always so much. Right? I loved that. I got one. Wait, wait, wait. I got one for my, I don't remember what birthday. I was in elementary school and I like, I would always get them for my birthday and I'd be like, mom, I need the piece with my face on it. <laughs> one time I saw one where it's a white family and I was my white friend and it was like, he loved his grandma. And so like his grandma's birthday had like grandma's face on it, but the grandma was like dying. So it's like, literally, you're like slicing into a dying person. Like, right? you, you're like if I do this, it might actually kill you. Like, I, I feel like it's like a weird, like a it's the closest girl. white people get yeah. to voodoo, I think. Yeah. Is, yeah. is the cake picture. I'm a big <laughs> fan of the apology cake. Like, oh, sure, I, sure. I think that's a great one. I know. I can't remember if I've seen one that was like an Instagram meme and one of these is real and I might be conflating the memories, but I'm pretty confident that there was this girl from my high school that made an apology cake for her friend that was just, I am so sorry, I stabbed you with a fork. <laughs> it, had, it had the fork and the cake, right? You could eat the cake now with this fork that I stabbed you with. We didn't clean it. Um, <laughs> the blood is still there. I remember one time I, I fucked up with a friend very badly. And so I wanted to humiliate myself in math class where I fucked up. And so I brought a cake and I was like, this is for you. And then I smashed the cake in my face. And he was like, dude, that doesn't really undo the fact that you punched me in the face. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and it was like a really weird moment because like he was one of my best friends. And, and sometimes just a cake isn't enough because you're like, yeah, you bake something. You know, you fuck my wife. What do you? What do you can't, you can't unbake this? You know, so uh, that that there is that energy of like sometimes we think that 
you know, a baked good can can fix uh, a transgression that was maybe way more intense than what we thought it was. Yeah. And that is how Usama got started in comedy. And that's why I got started in comedy. Make me a cake with my face and a mic on it. Please. I'm just waiting. That's, there are some things about that kind of culture because, you know, like, you know, there's a lot more love for art in, in, in uh, you know, for uh, mainstream American families. There's definitely an energy of like, go for it. Um, and immigrants just don't really have that in them. It's very much like, you know, acquire stability, you know, not even a good job, just acquire some stability. Um, and so there's a certain amount of naivete and sort of just blinders, you know, windshield wipers you need to have to just go for something um, artistic. And that's kind of, if I wasn't, I was too dumb to understand just how hard it was going to be. So that is, I guess, a, a boon in my past that you don't, know everything before you go for it because we did if i knew how hard it would be that i'd be living in a crack house at some point you know that it, i'll get maybe i wouldn't do it right totally and i think it's also so much harder to come from the background of doing something or almost doing something that you're like this is going to be so stable like the yeah. ability to be like okay never mind is so impressive to me like because we've talked to so many people who were like i was a lawyer and then they're like and then i quit that <laughs> Whoa. it is wild but then you're at work right now and you took a 30 minute break to a podcast so who's really a bad like you're a badass that's also badass <laughs> you're next to a pepsi vending machine following your dreams there we go that's powerful <laughs> that's not powerful I don't, don't knock yourself you you took you took a stand to your boss, like, hey, I need to talk about cakes for an hour <laughs> with this guy. He was very. Can I do it? Activity. Right. So the idea that a podcast is like an official work break now, like podcasting can be billed or something, it's still insane because podcasting is like an unemployed radio radio show. You know what I'm saying? So the idea <laughs> that we're like, like, oh yeah, a podcast. Oh, of course, of course. The respect people give it now. Oh, a, po a podcast. I'm, I'm sorry. You know. Like it's it's that's powerful. I, I think that's about us. Yeah, and here we are on the podcast. It's a GP. Speaking yeah. of um, our employments and things, how did you make the transition from being a um like you were like okay, so I'm here, I'm hustling for like these seven years st stuff and such. Like, when do you think and how did you make the transition to being like I am a professional comedian? Sure, sure. Um, it you it's like you're just gonna fall upwards. I think. You just gotta, you work so hard that you just wake up one day, you're like, oh shit, I'm way farther than I was a year ago or whatever. It really is, I was just that. I was very much windshield wipers. You know, I would do like, you know, three, four mics a day when I first came here every day. It's so like 23 a week at least, right? And just hustle and just go harder. I was like, someone told me work harder than that person next to you. And I was like, all right, I'll just do it. So I just, put my head on a brick wall and just pushed, I think for like four years, just constant, 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 constant. And just slowly the brick wall started moving just like slowly, but you don't really realize it's moving. You're just kind of just, you just head down, head on the wall and just, just trying to push. And then you, you know, come up for air. You're like, Oh my God, that moved a little far. That, so it's kind of like that kind of energy where you're just, let me just go and not think about anything else. And all oh, the, the irony is that once you get some accolades is then when you start, 
then you forget about the brick wall and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun. Oh, I'm, I'm in a fun meadow. I'm hanging out. And the brick wall is over there. You're no longer pushing it because you're just hanging out in the meadow. Ooh, look at this meadow I created because I pushed the brick wall. But you don't realize over the brick wall is a whole other garden that you're not even experiencing because you're so happy that you pushed the wall a little bit. So the idea of like constantly pushing that wall and knowing, not being satisfied with the amount of garden that you've uncovered, it's like, that's the real difficulty. Because in the beginning, you're so engaged in getting good that you're not thinking then you get good and people start giving you a little love and then that's dangerous because a lot of people never leave that first go that first courtyard because they're like oh i'm so happy i fucking have friends now that like me for my work and you know all these nice things are happening to me and everyone's saying good stuff but really that's when you gotta be like goodbye and then hit that wall harder because then you will plateau like a bitch and then you'll be that guy who was like Cause then you're, you know, that garden's going to die out, you know, and then you're fucking done. And then, Oh yeah, he was, yeah, he used to have a nice garden, but now look at this guy who's so heat is very fickle, you know? And uh, the idea of always having that brick wall in mind, I'm determined to keep the metaphor going all the, to have that brick wall in mind is very important. Does that make sense at all? Did I just say? No, that was a, actually a very good metaphor. Did you have that? Have you used that before? No, off the metaphor. So it was a new release, exclusive, laughing your mask off, exclusive. <laughs> All right, here you go. Um, I'm going to use that later, though. You're gonna use it, somewhere <laughs> it else. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What? And it's honestly relatable content. Like a lot of, um, like, I feel like a lot of what we talk about with comics and even just like in general as comedians is there's so much like people are kind of like oh you're just like going around doing shows and it looks like you're like doing a lot but the actual day-to-day is just so much work um and I feel like that kind of gets I don't know like forgotten when people look at it from a distance um well people the misconception really with music people play like a g chord they're like you must have trained years yeah, play that G chord. Wow, I mean, you must have been to an ashram and they touched you in the forehead <laughs> chakra and you woke up and you're like nirvana or whatever, right? Literally. So the idea is with jokes, people think they can all do it. So it's like yeah. everyone thinks they can do a joke because they can, you know, they can sell a joke and it's funny, but there's an accessibility to it that gives it a lack of respect because it's so easy to start doing it, telling a joke. Yeah. Now, Whereas music has this mysticism around it because it's, it's really hard to even start playing that first chord. But the, the truth is that a comedy is insanely difficult and to make it look easy is the hardest. It takes 20 years. Um, and so that's why I think people think, oh, you're just going out there, you're doing stuff, having a good time, partying, you're partying up there uh, because it looks so accessible yeah, uh, and not mystical in a way. But it really is. It really is the hardest art to be, to be truly honest. Requires it's so hard. Public humiliation it requires the most public humiliation to be good. It's true. Straight facts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Gen Z. I, yeah. Lit. It's definitely lit facts. <laughs> lit facts. It's turn. It's turn. Word to your turn. True. Um, yeah. Yes. Carly, are you saying something? I was going to speak and then you start speaking and then no. You know what, Catherine? Like, you, you go for it. I don't know where you're going to talk So, we talked a little bit about how you got, now you're in comedy. You were also pre-pandemic on America's Got Talent. Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up there, what that experience was like? Yeah, I, sure. uh, why comics go on America's Got Talent? The whole thing. Sure. Um, so they hit me up for some video that I did on some Laugh Factory video, right? They found me online, some producer. 
who was like, dude, come audition. And this is back when it's March, early March. And we were like, yeah, pandemic, maybe for China. Okay, boo, China. <laughs> Ew, y'all suck. <laughs> Laughing the way to the bank. Remember our arrogance? First week of March 2020, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I go there as a Saturday and, the you know, did the audition. Uh, standing O from all the judges, all good to go, right? This is the film audition, the first one, first round that's filmed. Um, and the next day, pandemic started. Like, literally next day, I flew back, and it was just like, oh wow, whoa, holy fuck, what's going on? And then it was just like a pandemic, and we didn't know what the show was going to happen. And, you know, they showed the show, and they were like, okay, we by August, they're like, all right, we have an idea for second round two. We're going to have you fly out. It's going to be super covid um, you know, uh, restrictions. And I did it. I, I went out there in August and it was like the second round had like no people in the crowd. It was just four judges in a fucking, you know, cavernous hall. And it was wild. It was like a wild thing, but you know, it's so much exposure. You know, I, I after America's Got Talent, I, I was like, I can go anywhere in the world and people recognize, you know, I, I've been to like Podunk, Texas, where I'm from. It's like fucking some barbecue joint in Beaumont. And I'm just in line and this huge ass white dude, you know, he's like a solar eclipse when he fucking walks by you. And I'm like, ah, and he's like, hey, brother. I'm like, I'm about to fucking get murdered by big techs over here. And he's like, I saw you on America's Got Down. That was, that was funny, man. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, these people, these people, like if I went to this Capitol building scales of the riots, as they were scaling, they'd be like, I saw you, I saw you on the fucking, that was great. <laughs> That, anyway, <laughs> ah, death to Pelosi. So people know that's what it changed for me is that comics go on there because it's just exposure. And as long as you can keep your integrity on the show, then you won't get people to come. Because a lot of people like ham it up for the show. And then when they get their fans to come out to the shows, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Your stand up is nothing like your show. And they kind of get into some hot water because they didn't have the integrity on the show. So as long as you have some integrity and you stick to your guns of who you are as a comic, there should be no problems when people start coming out to your shows. Pretty cool. Did I answer any questions? I feel like I'm not answering any questions. I'm just saying whatever I want. Is that, That's honestly answering? how this podcast goes. I mean, I feel like you did answer the question, but like, we're not super strict. Dude, I literally I do that. Right just be rambling. I'm like, yeah, and then my uncle touched me. Does that answer your AGT question? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, the rambling's the best because then it's like, no, our it makes our questions authentic. More interesting. Um, yeah. Because it's like, oh, this is like float away like a, a bird. Um, Carly would be Hufflepuff, yeah? I or said Ray. that too. Carly I, is Hufflepuff. I know, she identifies I'm, as Ravenclaw. I'm a Ravenclaw. I'm a no, 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 no. You are, you are very smart, but your energy is very giving. Such a Hufflepuff. More so I than, so I, Hufflepuff gets a bad rap, first of all. I, I think Hufflepuff gets a really bad rap, but really they're the most loyal. They're actually the most people you want to hang out with. To be fucking for real, Hufflepuff is the best hangs. Because the ones who are the most real. Gryffindors are all like, we have to go to an, on an adventure. Easy, buddy. It's Monday, dude. I <laughs> tomorrow. Slytherin's like, eh, what'd you get in your test? Get away from me. Ravenclaw's like, all like, <laughs> AB clubs. <laughs> Fucking Hufflepuff is for real the most legit house. Hanging out, chilling, good vibes, good energy. You know, that's that's Carly, I think. They're GT. Oh, that's so kind. Um, what house? Catherine's you- Gryffindor. I feel like Catherine's more Gryffindor. Not that I've been really? bad that. I, I, I think feel like you're I more identify a, as Slytherin. Again, that's what I'm saying, but that's why you're a Gryffindor. Because you're, uh, you're, you see what I'm saying? People who know who they are 
is our very Gryffindor. But I feel like I'm, I'm not like, I feel like I couldn't go like save the day. Well, everyone saves the day in Gryffindor, right? We got Dean Thomas. We have people who are right. just like really kind of fire signs. A little right, bit. but they're like willing to put up Oh, so you're saying you're a lazy Gryffindor, which makes you a Slytherin? <laughs> okay. I'm saying I'm a little bit too lazy for Gryffindor. I'm a little too <laughs> anxious for Gryffindor. That so I might, I think that's what puts me over the edge. Of the <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. I have too much anxiety for Gryffindor. Your house is you live with Filch, all right? Yeah. Go. Yeah. You, don't live, you don't live anywhere. Gryffindor plus anxiety equals Slytherin. <laughs> is that like the math we're going with? Like, like I just Draco Malfoy just needs some Adderall. Can we fucking be for real? You know, just <laughs> just so his parents. You know, <laughs> what house do you think you're in? Well, I think uh, super achievers are very brown. All immigrants would be in Slytherin because we're such everything's like go go study go what go win go win. So we'd always end up in Slytherin because we've been so inculcated with the uh, with the immigrant mindset, which is fucking acquired at all costs. Slytherin. That's how it is. I could see you as a Gryffindor, though. Yeah, I could. See I could be Gryffindor. I, you know, I, I, I have leadership qualities. But I, when I was a kid, I was very scared of everybody, and I was very shy kid. Uh, so I think Gryffindor wouldn't really have me. I, I would end up in Huffle. I'm, I'm a Huffle guy. I'm vibes over everything. You'd be Hufflepuff over Gryffindor. I would love. See, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I would love Hufflepuff more than Gryffindor. I think Hufflepuff is the actual house to get into. To be fucking honest. Well, you're really anything but Ravenclaw, and kind of all over the map. I I guess I do love to read. I don't know. I I guess we're sure, all every, we're, every house. I mean, every house. They would put the hat on me. They're like, "You're the new Dumbledore. You're so fucking awesome." Actually, now that I think about it, Ravenclaw could be Indians because of the studying. But I I think mostly I, I I would be I would love to be in Hufflepuff because I love like giving good vibes and giving good energy. That's the way to go. And Hufflepuff I think is has the, that I mean most most uh, in spades i think yeah well hufflepuff you you have a fan here is um number one supporter of hufflepuff is on this podcast it seems. yeah <laughs> how long it's a really bad rap they get a really really bad rap and i think it's only because jk rowling doesn't write any strong characters that aren't hufflepuff that's all it is Except Shedley, that's all that's what i think you're right I, I just think every every character had a good like everyone had oh, sorry and like there's always strong characters. So Slytherin and Gryffindor, just the fucking whole thing was that. But Ravenclaw had like fucking uh, Cedric. Was it Ravenclaw? No, he right? was Hufflepuff. No, he was Hufflepuff, yeah. Oh, he was Hufflepuff, but he died. You see what I'm saying? Like they killed yeah. him off. He did, but moment. he was pretty noble about it. Yeah. But he died so quick. You know, yeah. he didn't even get to put up a fucking fight. It's true. It was, that'd be like, oh, Hufflepuff vibes. Dies immediately after getting to the Death Eaters. Classic. See, it sounds like you're not. Sounds like you're you're kind of not full 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 speed ahead on Hufflepuff. No, I I am. I'm saying the way J.K. Rowling wrote Hufflepuff. Oh oh oh. It's just saying? the perception of Hufflepuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Like the way she wrote Cedric was like, oh, he he came there and just died. They just killed him, <laughs> and it's like, oh fuck, you couldn't fucking dodge one blow. You couldn't dodge one about a cadaver. No, you had to just you just come up and just, <laughs> Hufflepuffed. <laughs> that's my that's my that's my qual. I think Rowling should have wrote some cooler Hufflepuff and her uh, uh, scene. Yeah, they're like a very drama-free uh, group, which is difficult. Like, if I, I want to write a book that's like from the uh, viewpoint of a Hufflepuff, where the whole book is like, what are they screaming about? 
Like they're this, Harry Potter is always screaming. This guy's always running. Yeah, He's always running. Can you just hang for a second? That's that's the book I want to write. Judy Bloom's Harry Potter. Yeah, where it's just like it. everyone chill. <laughs> you know, it's just magic. Relax. <laughs> Very great. Um, so then when the world shuts down <laughs> <through> the pandemic, <laughs> you already had your America's Got Talent audition. Right. And what else did you do? Zoom you show, when the pandemic happened, stories. right? Because the pandemic, it was crazy, right? It was, it was, um, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, and it was kind of like... Um, figuring out how to do the spots, just kind of like, you know, do comedy in the, the new space, but they're resilient, you know, comics are the roaches of the industry, you know, we'll just fucking find a way in and we all, everyone's done, everyone's gone and we're just outdoors now. And we're like, all right, we'll do outdoors, you know, socially distanced park shows. And that's the, the resilience of a good comic is just like doing whatever. Now I get it, it was pandemic and there's no, you know, everyone's trying to be safe. But these park shows were literally as safe as humanly possible, you know, where people were just six feet away outdoors. And, you know, when you look at the idea that if they might have stopped some suicides to be fucking for real, that this guy, some people might be, you know, might have been depressed and these comedy shows help them survive. It really talks about that. The role of arts during a global pandemic was, was huge, I think. Zoom shows and whatnot. Um, Zoom shows, Jesus Christ. Um, sorry, that was like a random trauma that just kind of <laughs> came back. Whoa, okay, I need a moment. Those are bad. Zoom shows. <laughs> oh, gee, whoa, where am I? What's my name? Holy shit. Um, man, that was a, it's like a year we just all blocked off. It's like a year that just took a little black part. Really wild what we did uh, as a human race, but that's the human resilience. We can just take trauma and just kind of like, whoop, bye, control X, control Z whatever, and just keep going, you know? And it's, yeah. for us, it was a pandemic, people had World War II, World War I. These are just things that after it, people are like, what the fuck was, was that? All right, anyway, back to sewing or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, we kind of did that. We kind of just, there's a certain, like, there's like an elastic nature to human nature. We're very just like, and we're just back, which is a good and bad, I think, because a lot of bigger comics that were huge were doing younger people's shows because there was no other shows to do. And there's, you could see people like all connecting as one without any sort of demarcation of society. And slowly as the pandemic, you know, went farther and farther away from our hearts, that rigidity of hierarchy kind of recalcified. And I was seeing that in real time and being like, well, that's one negative thing that the uh, lack of pandemic restarted is now all these big comics are like forgetting that they ever did uh, all these young people shows that they gave them stage time during a time that was very um, you know sparse for everybody so I guess there's good and bad to a lot of these things again what did I answer I don't know I'm just <laughs> no it's great did you do you mentioned zoom shows uh, quickly did you do a lot of those or did you kind yeah. of try to avoid it it was like, you know, let me just outrun all pain. And so I just like booked like five Zoom shows a day. Then there was a period where I didn't have any Zoom shows and I just fucking started freaking out, got depressed, dissociating. Had to like look up spiritual leaders to like get back to a space of evenness. But uh, the, in that time, it was a lot of like, is hustle serving me? Like how much of my hustle? Because if you're doing something or you have something and the lack of that something makes you spiral, 
that something was never serving you. So I guess I had to like repurpose the hustle and be like, what exactly is healthy hustle? And it is not outrunning anything. You have to give space to think about life and think about the, um, the, the truisms of time and stuff. And so we know when we were all, you know, in pandemic, we're like, Oh fuck time is real. And so it was all just fucking hit us in the fucking face. And now I think hopefully that we came out of it with a little bit more respect towards time and respect towards the passing nature of it and, and appreciation for every moment. Did I answer any question again? I, I just not, I just be taking, you're like, you're like, so tell me how many Zoom shows you did. So I was like, and I was born in Canada on a farm. It's like, dude, seriously, so dumb. I'm sorry that we're not answering anything. No, you absolutely answered it. <laughs> okay. Also, I think it's such like what you said, it's, it like resonates so much. It's so true. The idea of, cause there's such a big move right now that I think came out of the pandemic. That's like, oh, hustle culture is bad. And it's like, no, it's not that hustle culture is bad. It's like, let's re-examine it. Like the way sure. you just put it is so smart where it's like, if the only reason you're hustling is because if you're not, then you're sad. It's like, that's right. not actually right. Right. what it's supposed to be. So like that's such like a good point. It's like, what are you hustling towards? You shouldn't just be like doing it to stay okay <laughs> you're right you're right because Juro dreams of sushi the Juro is not doing it so he can stay okay he's doing it because there's a passion in his fucking body that compels him to create new types of sushi that is a fuel that will never run out if he was making sushi because he was so scared of not making sushi that it, once he stopped he'd be like fuck i was i was a, a omelet chef the whole time fuck you know and that would be explosive but the idea is to repurpose go back to the Juro na nature of just the doing is the joy and hustling because you love the doing of the thing and not because you're outrunning some sort of pain or whatever. And I think that's also such like an important distinction between people who like are doing comedy because they love it and people who are doing comedy as therapy. hundred <laughs> percent. And that's like, yeah, like it's, it's just, such a, it's such a good point. Like you really clarified that so well. So good job. In answering oh, I did it. Yeah, I did it. Yay. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you. Wow. It's this wild. Is like, my, like when I used to uh, score zero points in basketball and one of the white moms would be like, here's some snacks. I'm like, I don't think I deserved it, <laughs> but I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if you hadn't watched Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Dude, like, it I, all seems to circle back dude, there. Dude, I'd be on this podcast with like two bloody gloves, you know? So I got to get back to fucking, oh shit. Okay, but... I'd be a surgeon. I'd be a fucking a doctor. You know, that, uh, it was it was that formative. I've never I've never heard a stronger argument for Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Watch the fucking film. It, it it is a fucking film. If you are, uh, you know, unsure about your path in life, watch that film and it'll click in some stuff that will really make you think about who you are. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I need to watch it. I will. I literally am going to leave this podcast and I highly. But then after that, I'll watch Jiro Dream the Sushi. <laughs> I highly recommend. After Cheered or whatever the fuck, you know, I mean, what is it? What do you, what's your favorite show? Fucking, yeah, New Girl. That's Carly's favorite show. Actually, that's I, I know this is a New Girl vibe. This is a shit Creek vibe. <laughs> I know. She loves Schmidt. She Carly loves Schmidt. I know. It's true. Uh, who doesn't love Schmidt? Who doesn't love Schmidt? Uh, but the idea is uh, it, it, some of these things are so inspiring when you, when you watch them. And I think Giro really hits it. I think highly recommend, highly recommend. Nice. 
Well, so we have um, a movie wreck from you. Is there any other advice that you would give aspiring comedians or great advice that you've received that you would like to uh, reshare? Obviously, the main advice is just work as hard as you possibly can within the bounds of your ability bodily and 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 make sure that you not just work, but also reflect based on the work. You know, a lot of people just, you know, hit the fucking wall, not look up. We're bringing it back, hit the fucking brick wall, and then they don't tend the garden behind. So the idea is that it's like a cycle. You got to act, reflect on the action. Like, well, how did I do well? What was I? And then act based on the previous reflection. And then it's a cycle of action and reflection as opposed to all reflection, which makes you just scope out comedy shows for fucking three years and not do anything or all action where you're just yelling shit into a mic and not ever growing because you're not actually, you know, looking inside. It's, uh, it's a beautiful mix of action and reflection. That's what I think. If that makes any sense. But, okay. Totally. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like I'd be fucking just saying some shamanistic shit that doesn't connect to anybody. <laughs> no, I think it's all great. It's very, um, I, I don't even know a word for it, but it's been, it's all been very interesting. Which okay. Okay. All right. As long as we're doing this to it a little bit. What's up? What'd you say, Catherine? I think I've learned a lot. I've <laughs> I really, this has like been the most self-reflecting podcast episode I think we've had yet. So, <laughs> going to do some hard reflecting after this. Yeah, and no, I think the the podcast is like, right. She's like, I quit. Anyway, thank you. So much. <laughs> thank you. I'm going to go join a trash fire now. I've, I've realized. <laughs> Yeah, trash fire is my next step in life. But our next <laughs> podcast, as we wrap it up, is there anything you'd like to promote? Like any shows you're doing, anything coming up for you that you would like our viewers to go see or follow? Um, follow me at Usama Stands Up, U S A M A Stands Up. Um, follow uh, my podcast at uh, Mango Bay at Y O U R Mango B A E. Um, and then just follow on both those accounts and we have all this funny stuff that's up there almost every day and have a good time and give love and give good energy and keep growing and um, etc awesome cool well thanks thank so you so much for being on yeah thanks for having for me. Me. hopefully it's okay hopefully something wasn't just too fucking weird i don't know thank you for listening to laughing your mask off if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and leave a good review to keep up with our hosts follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.